we've been in the middle of a series called Show Me Your Friends, and Pastor Jabin last week began this series by saying it's not good for man to be alone. This is still God's desire even today, even that you find good, healthy, godly relationships that you are better, as you saw with, uh, with Stacy up on the screen, you saw that you are better in a group. You're better, you're not better alone. You're better with a great group of people loving you and supporting you. That we are always moving at the speed of our relationships in life. And we always said this quote last week, show me your friends and show me your future. With this week, I have a, a, another opportunity to speak to you, but I'm gonna talk about the first relationship in our life that we should have a focus on. And this relationship is not between our spouse. It's not between a friend of ours or even our children. This relationship is our relationship between us and God. I've got a scripture verse for you today. It's found in the book of Psalm chapter 139, verses one through six. And I want you to see how often the word no is used. K-N-O-W. Take a look at this. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Today's message, the title, if you're taking notes today, it's Knowing the God Who Knows Everything About You. Let's pray. Jesus, help. I need you. I need your help to speak and to deliver your word today. I'm just a vessel and I'm nothing without you. Lord, for those people here who don't have a relationship with you, let them today, after today's message, begin their journey. But for those in here who have been at this thing for a little while, who would call themselves a Christians and maybe a pro-Christian if that, God, help them to learn something new today and help them to grow deeper in their love for you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Amen. The next time you go on vacation to the beach, I have a challenge for you. When you go to the beach, I love the beach. I love the ocean. My, my parents have always raised me by swimming. I was never afraid of the water. I was the kid that would jump in without the floaties. I mean, I loved the ocean. But the next time you go on vacation, I want to challenge you. Try emptying the ocean with a spoon. Now, humor me for a moment. Imagine, hypothetically speaking, you had a spoon about the size of a gallon, and every minute you were able to empty one gallon of water from the ocean. Now, I did the math for you. You're welcome. At the end of the year, you would remove about 500,000 gallons from the ocean. Now, if we're going with this situation here, and you actually had a way to transport that water out of the ocean to dry land, probably a pool, you would have about the size of an Olympic-sized pool, okay? But if you configure evaporation, if you configure spillage, because, you know, if you're driving and carrying the water, the water's gonna, you know, go lopsided over, you would literally spend hundreds and thousands of lifetimes just trying to empty the ocean with your one-gallon spoon, okay? <laughs> getting to know God, getting to know Jesus is like trying to empty the ocean with a spoon, 
you will spend eternity getting to know the God who created you, getting to know the God who designed you so intimately and so carefully. You will spend all of eternity falling in love with him, but yet he knows everything about you. He knows your likes. He knows your dislikes. He knows what gets you ticked off in the morning. He knows that, he knows that you like your coffee a certain way. He knows what makes you happy and what makes you frustrated but he also knows the parts of you that aren't so pretty. He also knows the darkness that you deal with on Monday morning. He knows the struggles that you face, the mistakes of your past. He knows everything about you, but yet he desires a relationship with you. He desires for you to get to know him. He's not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your mistakes or what has happened to you or what has happened because of people in your life. He just wants for you to get to know him. In Philippians three, verse eight, this is the apostle Paul talking. He says this, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing There's that word again, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, according to the apostle Paul, the most valuable pursuit in life is the pursuit of knowing Jesus. Now, he also said this in the the continuing the verse, he says, for this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. If you read the context of the story, he begins to list off all of his successes in life that he has had. Now, what are the pursuits are you pursuing other than God? How about your career, your success, titles, money, relationships? How about the approval of other people? Can I get an amen for all the uh, approval addicts out there who like to people please? Now, none of these things are bad by any means. We should have a job. We should have a career. We should save money. We should pursue healthy relationships, but they become unhealthy when they take the place of knowing God, of knowing who Jesus is. You see, Jesus doesn't want to be just a part of your life. He wants to be your life. I say this to kids and kids ministry all the time. Jesus is a terrible second place. He can't be anything in your life, but first place, number one priority, he's God. It says in the book of Psalm chapter eight, verse three, this is a very famous uh, scripture verse. And the writer is talking about the grandeur of who God is. And he says this, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in place. Now, according to scientists, the galaxy is so big, far beyond that we can even mentally process. And one of our famous stars in our solar system, the sun, hello, it's the thing that makes Las Vegas so darn hot during the summer. (laughs) This sun is so big. Let me just put it into perspective. If we were to shrink the earth down to the size of a golf ball, the earth would be the equivalent of a school bus. Now, just think about that for a second. Golf ball school bus. That means, I did the math for you again. You're welcome. (laughs) 1.3 million earths can fit inside the sun. 1.3 million earths. Now, not to mention the distance between the earth and the sun. If you were to hop in the Millennium Falcon and travel at the speed... Okay, not everyone got that. If you were to hop in the USS Enterprise and if you were to travel... 
If you were to hop in a spaceship, okay, if you were to hop in the spaceship and travel at the speed of light to the sun, it would still take you a little over three minutes to get there. That's how big just our galaxy is. Now, if God made the moon, the stars, and the entire universe, according to Psalm, with the work of his fingers, does that sound like someone who should just be your counselor? Does that sound like someone you should get recommendations from? How about someone you should visit only on Sunday? It sounds like Jesus is Lord over everything. We're talking Lord over the tiniest atom and the largest star in the solar system. He is Lord over all. And remember, he doesn't want to just to be part of your life. He wants to be your life. But Griffin, whoa, 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 whoa. This is all overwhelming here. How can I get to know the God of the universe better yet? Why would he want to get to know me? Why would he want to take his time to spend time with me? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this. I'm bringing the New King James Version. This is the version I was raised up on, uh, raised on. It says this, God made him who knew no sin. He made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the very reason why. Here's what happened. God looked at you and because of what his son did on the cross, he looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. And in his eyes, you are righteous. And according to this verse, Jesus became the murderer. He became the rapist. He became the liar. He became the gossiper. He became sin. So you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Ergo, therefore, you want to have a relationship with God. God's not looking at you and looking at all of your sin and going, he's not saying, I don't want nothing to do with that. Some of you think God is looking at you like a piece of filth. Like why would anyone want to get to know me? But God is looking at you through the eyes of Jesus and he's, and he's desiring a relationship with you and wanting for you to get to know him. So Griffin, where do I begin? Where do I begin my journey? I understand there's people in here who aren't Christians and there are people here who have been, who've been following Jesus for a long time. Where do I begin? Number one, knowing God begins with consistency. In John 15, four, it says this, this is Jesus talking, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That word abide in the original language means to remain, to be present, to dwell and to stay to get up and leave, to not get up and leave when you're bored. Just because you're bored, you just don't get up and leave. Now, Griffin, you're, you're talking about trees and vines. I thought this was church. What, what, what are you talking about? Let me show you what I mean here. If you know me personally, you know that even though I'm 26, I'm an old man on the inside. <laughs> now, again, I, I've, I'm still keeping up with the Kardashians. I'm keeping up with every sort of person in here. I learned a couple of new vocabulary words the other day. I've learned it's on fleek. Anyone heard that before? It's, it means it's some sort of in the, the galaxy of cool, okay? Another person here, I learned, I learned let me teach the, um, the mature people here. I've learned the word lit. It's lit. And that doesn't mean it's on fire. It just means that it's, it's cool. You know what I mean? Wow, that's, that's really lit. Now, one of, one of the things... One of the things that also comes with me being uh, kind of an old soul on the inside is I like to be home at a certain time with a good book, with a movie. Can I get an amen from the introverted people out in the audience? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Now, what I learned here at City Light, that if you come to the 6 p.m. service, that's not what people do. If you stay for the 6 p.m. service, people talk. Like people hang out and chat till kingdom come. And as I, as, as one day I was leaving, I kind of felt a little kind of felt a little left out. And I had to learn to adjust on the inside to start remaining, to stay, and to not get up to abide. And Jesus is asking you to do the same thing. He's asking you to abide with him. Now, what does that mean practically? That means on a practical level, we need to spend time reading our Bibles. We need to spend time praying spending time listening to worship music. Now I'm all down for some T-Swizzle, Taylor Swift. I'm all down for some good music, but we also need to listen to some good Christian worship music, listening to podcasts, being in God's presence, but also being aware of his presence everywhere that we go. But Griffin, I just don't feel like it. It's hard for me to read my Bible. It's hard for me, it's hard for me to get up in the morning. Well, I love what Bill Johnson said. He says, in the kingdom of God, you have to eat to become hungry. The more you digest God's word and the more you spend time in his presence, the more you will desire to be in it. Number two, knowing God begins with honesty. Knowing God begins with honesty. In 1 John 3, 20 through 21, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And look, here's that word again, and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Pastor Jamin always says this. He says, we are always surprised when we sin, but God is never surprised by anything. I'm amazed. The first thing that we feel like we have to do when we sin is we have to run and hide and cover it up because we feel shame. But yet the very thing you need to do is don't run away from God, run to God. My dad always says as a kid, when you mess up, you fess up and then you get up. God wants you to be honest about your life, honest about your actions and honest about your heart. What's really going on? You might as well not hide anything from God. He knows everything anyways. See, the process of healing begins with revealing. If you want God to heal the things on your heart, you have to first reveal what's on the inside and give it to God. When my grandfather was still alive, uh, later in his life, he had triple bypass surgery. And it's a very, very intense surgery and you absolutely need it to stay alive. And in order to operate on his heart, first thing they had to do was to break the sternum, which is the bone that guards the heart. Here's what I'm trying to say. In order for God to get to the heart, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But in order for heart surgery to happen, God's the great surgeon. He wants to heal you. We have to let him into those places that we feel like God, that aren't pretty. We have to let him into those places in our life that we feel like God doesn't want to see, but yet he's the great doctor, he's the great physician, and he wants to heal every part of your life. I feel like someone needs to hear this. God is never too busy. You are not bothersome to God and you are not a nuisance to him. He wants you to be honest. He can take it. He created the freaking universe, okay? (laughs) He's okay. He can take a little complaint every now and then. He's all right. He's not surprised. He's not shaking in his boots and complaining on his throne. I don't believe what happened today. I just, I just don't understand. I just don't understand how we're gonna work. No, 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 that's not God at all. He knows everything. He's got everything under control. 
I love what David, if we look at the Psalms of David, David is a very honest person. In fact, if you ever read the Psalms, you're like, David, you're a little too dramatic, okay? But honestly, he's a picture of us on Monday morning when we're driving to work. In Psalm 42, too, here's what it says. You are my God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning and oppressed? Hmm. Sounds like some of us halfway through the week. Some of us have even done this towards God. We have complained. We have been dramatic. We have said things to God and that's okay. God can take it. But I love what David did. David always mixes honesty with praise. He is always open and honest before the Lord about what's going on in his life and and being open to tell God everything. But yet he always mixes it with praise. In Psalm 42, verse five, it says this, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed? But he says this, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. So for you, it may look like this. God, I lost my job. Help, what am I going to do? I don't know, I'm gonna pay the bills. But yet you said in Philippians that you're gonna meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some of you in here, God, my kid is crazy. He's going off the walls. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. He's lost. He's at a party somewhere doing stuff. But yet you send your word that all of my house will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, they will serve. It's always being honest with the Lord, not hiding things from God, but yet it's always mixing it with praise. It's being honest, but yet mixing it with praise. Point number three, knowing God begins with trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is my life scripture, says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Let me just define trust for you. Trusting God means you do things his way and then you stop worrying about it. When there is a sign in your life, an area of your life where there is anxiety, where there's a lack of peace, where there's fear involved, it is normally a sign that there is a trust issue. The beginning of trust in God is the end of anxiety. But the beginning of anxiety is the end of your trust in God. Did you know that you can trust God in some areas in your life while other areas you are still holding on to? Some of you in here, you can trust God easily with your finances. God, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna do things I'm supposed to do. I'm generous, I'm gonna be generous with my money. But then you have a hard time trusting God with your family and with your relationships. Or maybe it's vice versa. We all have areas in our life that God is wanting us to trust him with, but yet we somehow hold on to things. I love what it says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says this, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. I love it so simple. It's don't worry, Pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him. And then it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. This is the formula for us to achieve peace. It's trusting God with things that we don't get. See, trusting God doesn't require you to understand everything. It requires you to let go of control. Some of us in here, we think, oh, I want to hold on to control and I want to make sure things get done. I'll make sure things happen. But if I'm honest with you, you'd be surprised how little control of your life you actually have. 
God is totally running the show and he's not panicked, he's not worried, and he's just waiting for you to trust him. God's wanting you to trust him with your, with your relationships, with your marriage, with your money, with your career, with your job. He's waiting for you to cast all of your worries, all of your cares upon him. And he's saying to you, would you just trust me? I end with this by point number four, knowing God begins with the father. One day as Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And normally back in those days, uh, prayer was a very, uh, it was a very per se religious thing. And, and, and Jesus could have addressed God in multiple ways and that would have been fine. Jesus could have said, creator God, call God creator, because that's who he is. He could have said, call God almighty, all powerful, omniscient. He could have said a lot of those things, but he begins by saying the Lord's prayer. He begins, this is how you pray. When you pray, say, father. Now, before that day in the religious context, calling God father was, was like unheard of. That's why Jesus was criticized so much. How do you, how do you know God as father? How, how can one man know someone that God, how can one man know God so intimately and so close? But Jesus was showing us a picture of our relationship with God. If there's anyone we should look at about how our relationship with God should pan out, it's Jesus. And he didn't address God as creator, almighty one. And yet, yet God is all those things. He first called God father. See, a good father listens to his kids, cares for their desires, longs for fellowship and provides, takes care of every need and protects their kids from harm. If you get anything out of this today, know that God is a loving father. And I understand everyone in here may have not have had a great father growing up, but where there's a lack of an earthly father, you will always have a heavenly father present in your life. When I, was a, uh, when I was a teenager, I had, uh, I had done something real stupid and real dumb as you know, a lot of teenagers do. And uh, the weight and the guilt was just, uh, was, was a lot. I'm, I'm the type of person that admits to being, I can't be guilty for so long. I have to talk to someone about it. <laughs> and so normally in my home, uh, my dad has his office and uh, normally, I, uh, whenever I need something, I need advice or I need to get something on my chest. And I know I'd done something stupid and I needed, I needed to tell my dad. And uh, I call my dad's office the Bat Cave because that's where we have fireside chats and we solve all the world's problems. <laughs> so I, I called a meeting <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I went to his office and he sits in his office chair and um, I have to fidget with things like all the time. So I grabbed his sunglasses and I started fidgeting because I didn't know how he was going to respond. And my dad knows the story. And so as I began talking to him, I finally mustered up the courage and I said, here's what's going on, dad. And here's what I did. And I looked at him and I expected for him to disown me. And I expected for him to just fall out of his chair and just go, oh my God, how can I call you my son? Look what you, I, I mean, I expected a look of surprise. Yet he looked at me with love in his eyes. And he told me, we're gonna figure this out. God loves you. God's not surprised. I'm not surprised. 
we're gonna take care of this. He gave me a hug. I walked out of the bat cave with a million pounds lifted off my shoulders. And some of you in here, you may view God as a, as a angry, broken, hurt, disappointing figure, but he's not that. He is a loving father and he so desires relationship with you. He so desires for you to get to know him. And it's not a matter of you cleaning up your life. It's not a matter of you getting everything perfect. Listen, we're all far from perfect. Join the club, join the imperfect club. I'm the captain of it. I wrote the book. Come join a body of believers that know about a loving father that had his son die in your place so that way you can be in relationship with him. Would you bow your heads today? If you're in here and you would say, you know, Griffin, I don't know who Jesus is and I don't know who God is. I hear what you're saying, and, but I wanna begin my relationship with the loving father. I wanna start being consistent. I wanna start being open and honest with the Lord. And I wanna start trusting God with things in my life. I don't want this to be just a Sunday morning thing any longer. I want Jesus to be my life, not just a part of my life. The Bible says that uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this right here is what we would old fashionedly call an altar call. This is a call where we say, if you wanna know Jesus, this is your opportunity. So if that's you, we're all gonna pray a prayer together. And especially if you need that today, if you need to pray that prayer and begin that relationship with God, I want you to pray it out loud here. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Right now, I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. Right now, I trust you with my life. You're not part of my life. You are my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, can we give a hand clap to all those people?